Thank you, God, for being God. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness towards us as humanity. Knowing, God, you don't have to, but because of who you are, Lord, you have blessed us in every imaginable and even unimaginable way. And we just thank you, Lord. We come to worship you today. We, we consider it an honor to praise you, God. And we thank you for the opportunity to do it with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we as your children come and, and just glorify your name today. And we thank you for your goodness towards us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I don't know if you know what your name means. Uh, I, I kind of felt like I had looked mine up before, but then I, I looked it up this week and uh, uh, there's, there's two different variations of the name Eric, and the, uh, the Greek one is a bit of a stretch, but I said it could have come from ancient Greek, and it means earth shaker. I like that. I, I like that. But I said it actually the, the, the direct uh, definition of my name, it's a, it's a Viking name, and, uh, and there was Eric the Red, and I think that's kind of fitting as well as and uh, he's the one who discovered Greenland, and and, uh, and and it means eternal ruler. And so I'm like, I'll go with that one. I can I can be eternal ruler, <laughs> but no, names mean things, even though we don't often consider what they do mean. Uh, the names of God tells us the nature of God, and so while my name may be Viking, that's not actually uh, I, my people are Scottish. And uh, I'm going to be there in about a week and a half. Praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> so excited about that. Never been there before. But, but uh, uh, our name does, uh, uh, God's name, uh, it, it, we have so many of them to tell us who he is. So there in uh, the book of Acts, the uh, apostle Paul was traveling through a city, happened to be named Athens. And in that city, they had all these gods that were scattered about and he, and he finds this one area and basically what they were wanting to do was cover all the bases and so there was this one little niche that said to the unknown God so they had gods for everything else so they needed to cover the, that that they missed and they said to the unknown God and so Paul then uses that as a sermon illustration and says I'm here to tell you about the God you don't know and I pray that as we come and we worship God that we know the God that we worship amen and so uh, we're going to get to know him a little better today, and we're going to get to know him through his names. Now, we obviously aren't going to cover every name because there's so many names, but we're going to look, we're just going to start in Genesis 1-1 and uh, start with the first name that we've been given of God. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And this word is the word Elohim. And in Hebrew, and we're going to be... Uh, we're going to be tapping into a little bit of the Hebrew roots that you have as a Christian. In Hebrew, if, if there's a word that has an I am in it, that is a plural word. It, it, it's plural. So the first name that we have for God is a plural name. And, and that's, that's good because we know that he is a, a, a three-in-one God. We just sang about him. Three-in-one. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And so in Genesis 1, you'll notice that it talks about, as, as we have God speaking, it says, let us, let us. And this is the, the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. This is the, the plurality of God. This is the trinity of God. And so the, the first name for God we're given is Elohim. 
And uh, that word is then connected several other places in Scripture. And uh, I'm just going to just mention them. We won't look at them on the screen, but I'm going to mention them. Uh, that name is connected to creator in Genesis 5, to king in Psalm 47, to God as judge in Psalm 50, as God as Lord in Psalm 86, uh, God as savior in Hosea 13. This name is used in pointing to this character of compassion in Deuteronomy 4 and his graciousness in Psalm 116 and to his faithfulness to his commitment in Deuteronomy chapter 7. Then this name of God is used over 2,600 times in the Old Testament. 2,600 times. And so as we look at the names of God, the, the first one we have is in Genesis 1-1 with Elohim. The second one uh, is we're going to look at Genesis 17. In Genesis 17, God has made himself known to a man named Abraham. He actually comes to know him in Genesis 12. And, uh, and, and God begins this relationship with this man named Abraham and tells him that he is going to bless him and is going to bless all the world through him. In Genesis 17, 1, uh, by the way, his first name was Abram, and it got changed later. Then when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. And this is the word El Shaddai. So I kind of set the foundation with the first word, Elohim. And then every time you see a word in the, in the, in the Bible that has E-L in it, just know that means God. God. And so this word in Genesis 17.1 is El Shaddai, Almighty God. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of trying to see how much I want to give this morning because I've got so much content. But let, just remember, anytime you see E-L, it's God. When you see the name Beth-El, Bethel, it means house of God. Y'all with me? So anytime you see E-L, and so you're going to see this in several of his names, and so we're just kind of laying the foundation there. The Almighty God, it combines El and Shaddai, referring to his ability to provide. The next one we're going to look at is Genesis chapter 22. In Genesis 22, this is uh, again with Abraham. And Abraham is asked to do something that... Uh, uh, really was going to challenge him. Now, remember the previous passage that we looked at, Abraham was childless and 99 years old, and yet God says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a family so big that your descendants will be like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. That you won't be able to count. And, and, and yet he was childless at 99 years old. Well, he finally does have a child, the miraculous work of God. And then God says, I want you to take your child on Mount Moriah, and I want you to sacrifice that son to me. Now, Abraham goes forward in obedience to the Lord. But if you look with Genesis chapter 22 and verse 5, Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, the lad, and I will go yonder and worship. And, and we will come back to you. I don't know if you are catching that. God said, I want you to sacrifice Isaac on this mountaintop. And Abraham says, hey, we're going to be back. Now, I don't know how you do both. Sacrifice your son and bring him back unless Abraham believed God's going to raise him from the dead if he has to. And, and so how does, he, how does he have that kind of faith? Because God has already told him through Isaac that you will, you will have a nation so big that comes through you, through your son Isaac. And so Abraham believed God. And that passage of scripture comes up over and over and over again. Even in the New Testament, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Amen. We're going to talk about righteousness in just a second. 
But here we have in this passage of Scripture the whole story. Abraham goes to the mountaintop, ties up Isaac, lays him on the altar, and, and then he goes to, to sacrifice his son where the angel of the Lord stopped him. Let's look in verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on your lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. Since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. Some of you might be familiar with the song that I think it came out this maybe this year. And the, the name of the song is Jireh. And it is basically that God can provide. God provides. He is a providing God. And that's what this means in this, this, this phrase, Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. I love this passage and how Abraham trusted God. But I want you to also know that there's some depth to this passage. If you look in verse 8, and Abraham said, this is, this is before the mountaintop. Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb. Amen. I hope that you're picking up what I'm laying down. And that our good God who provides, provides salvation to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And the very act that he did not require Abraham to follow through on, he followed through on in allowing Jesus to die on the cross so that you and I could have salvation. Amen. Isn't our God good? Isn't he worthy of worship? Amen. And so God provided a substitute for Abraham, a substitute for Isaac, and God has also provided a substitute for us. And that I didn't have to pay my sin debt. The vicarious death of Jesus Christ, he died on my behalf and he paid my sin debt and yours as well. Amen. That's worth shouting about. I'll tell you what, that's exciting. So I want to look now in, in, uh, at a word that I'm going to give you a little background on this word. And this is in Exodus chapter 3. We're just kind of going front to back in the Bible. So we're going to be here for two weeks. Um, <laughs> Uh, I actually got the last service out a little bit early, so be impressed and excited about that. Uh, in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, uh, God is now speaking to a man named Moses. And in verse 14, he said, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob has appeared to me saying, surely uh, I have surely visited you and seen what is done to you. And then he says, I'm going to bring you up in the next verse. Now, he has given us his proper name. God has given us not just his description, but his name. And his name basically is, I am the self-sufficient God. I don't need anything to be God. I just am God. And that's, that's his name. I'm, I'm God all by myself. And uh, that name in the Hebrew is the name Yahweh. Yahweh. Now, I'm fixing to give you a little lesson here. This might make sense. It might not make sense, but I'm going to do the best I can. 
We have gone from the word Yahweh, which by the way, the Hebrew people don't say this word. They don't write this word. They revere the name of God so highly that if they go to write the name God, they will, let's just say they use God, and it will be G slash D. They don't even want to write the full name of God because they revere the name of God so highly. In fact, when scribes were writing the scriptures, they would, they would be so, uh, so careful in writing the text itself, but then when they got to the name of God, they would get up from the table, they would go wash themselves, put on a new set of clothes, come back and grab a new pen or a quill, and then write the name God. Every time that name showed up. Now the verse that we just looked at, let's look back again at verse 14. Exodus three fourteen. That verse has it uh, a couple times, and then it has it again in the next verse, the next verse. Guess what? Every time that word came up, they got up from the table, took a bath, new change of clothes, a new quill, wrote that name. We get to the name again, they get up from the table, take a bath, new change. That's some reverence over the name, isn't it? And yet we throw the name of God around like it's nothing. And, 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 and we should revere his name. Now, we're going to show you how we have gone from Yahweh to Jehovah. It's actually the same name and how we have kind of transitioned to that. So if we have that little thing, this is yad Hey vav Hey. These are the letters in Hebrew. And it is through these letters that we got Yahweh. But the Hebrew people, they, they, they don't have vowels in their uh, alphabet, especially in the archaic Hebrew. And so we had yad Hey vav Hey. Well, they don't say that name, so they'll use the word Adonai, which is Lord. So they'd say Adonai and, and use the word Lord. And so what they have done through uh, time and how language changes over time, they took the vowel A, O, and A and inserted them into Yahweh. Now let's look at it again in the next slide. And so Yahweh and added to Adonai the vows is Yahovah. Yahovah. Everybody tracking with me? Y'all don't look like y'all are interested in this whatsoever. I'm trying to teach you things here. I'm giving you gold here. This is treasure. You should be just hanging on the edge of your seat. What's next, Pastor? <laughs> and so, so it has transitioned over time from Yahovah to the next one, Jehovah. And so that's how we've gotten these words which we would say Jehovah Jireh, but that was not the original word. It was Yahweh, the provider. And so now that you know, now that you're all absolute geniuses, <laughs> you're ready to move to the next word, and that's in Exodus 17. Exodus 17 and verse 9. We're actually going to read verse 15. In Exodus 17, we have a, a situation in which the nation of Israel has come through uh, the, the desert, and they've gotten to this place of, uh, oh, I'm reading the wrong one, Exodus 17. Uh, they, they are now in a conflict, in a, in a fight. And um, in the midst of this fight, Moses is, is on a hillside looking over the, the army and over the Amalekites that they're in this, con, at this conflict. 
And when Moses' arms would come down, the Amalekites would push back the armies of Israel. But when Moses was able to raise his arms, the armies of Israel pushed back the Amalekites. And so his brother comes and sits beside him, and another man named Hur would come sit beside him. They'd lift his arms. They'd set him down on a rock, and they would lift his arms. And as long as Abraham's Moses' arms were raised, uh, the, 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 the armies of Israel pushed back, and they, and they won the victory. And so they gave him a name in Exodus 7 and verse 15. And that is the name, the Lord is my banner. Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner. And that is the word Jehovah Nisi. And you would see these altars being built all throughout the, uh, the Old Testament. And they would name the altar because they were naming, this is the nature of God. The Lord is my banner. In military conflict, not in today's fighting necessarily, but but in the, in the times of the past, if you were in the middle of a fight, in the middle of a, a battle, and you needed something to rally to, your company had a guide on or a banner. And, and, and it would give you uh, some, some direction. It would give you some certainty. It would give you some security. And it would give you a place to rally to to get back to your people as the conflict and the chaos escalated. And so this was the name that they gave the Lord because it described his character. The Lord is my banner. He is the one high above us who we can rally around in time of difficulty. And it is given with the understanding that our God fights for us. Amen. Have you ever come to know God that way? I have. And it, it's, it's blown my mind. And, and I had a particular situation that was a, uh, his church conflict and, uh, it was a, an individual that, that uh, this conflict arose with, and, and uh, the Lord told me, don't worry about it, I got it. I'm like, well, that's easy to say. And it was in the middle of a, a situation where I, I knew I was very concerned. I was very, very concerned. The Lord said, don't worry about it, I got it. And uh, the next time he told me that, um, he got really serious with me. And the Lord said, in a stern, I felt the sternness. I told you I have it. Okay, Lord, I'll let you have it. Only to find out later that how he had it just blew my mind. It, it, it absolutely was so shocking to me that the Lord fights for us. That you could just trust it with him. Whatever the conflict is, just hand it to him and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you with this. He said, I have it. I have it. And this is how I want to ask you this morning. You know him, but how do you know him? Do you just know his name or do you know his nature? Have you experienced the God who fights for you? Have you called upon him in the midst of your conflict and say, Lord, I need you in this and watched him move in his mighty power? I mean, this is, this is getting to know God. Amen. This is getting to know God. So Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, my banner. And I want to look again at uh, uh, Exodus 15, kind of backtracking a little bit. Exodus 15 and verse 24 this is where the nation of Israel had been complaining about uh, they didn't have everything that they had in Egypt. And, God, and, and they come to this water and uh, they were griping because it was not good water. And in verse 26 of Exodus 15, it, it says, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians for I am the Lord who heals. Amen? Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Rapha. Have you come to know him in that way? 
I'm going to tell you something. This is something that we know at Sand Spring. He still does. Amen. Amen. He still does. He still does the things that he did back then. He's still the same God. He says in the book of Malachi, I am God and I do not change. He hasn't changed. He still heals. He's healed many here. I mean, we could just have a test. Let's, let's do this. If you're in the house and you have experienced him as Jehovah Rapha, would you stand up real quick? The God who heals. Amen. Amen. He is the God who heals. He is the God who heals and brings back the dead. Amen. <laughs> Amen. He is the God who heals. I've experienced it in, a, in miraculous ways on a couple of occasions. He is still Jehovah Rapha. He is Jehovah Shalom. Judges chapter 6, verse 22. This word shalom is a powerful word. And uh, in, in, in this passage of Scripture, God makes himself known to a man named Gideon. Gideon was scared to death. The nation of Israel was uh, of, of, of kind of under bondage. And God says, I'm going to use you, Gideon, to rescue our people. And then Gideon was fearful, and God brought his peace to Gideon, and then God brought his peace through Gideon to the nation of Israel. Amen. And so if you'll look with me to um, Judges chapter 6, verse 22, it says, Now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord, so God said, Alas, O Lord God. So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. And so Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah Shalom. And when we see this word Shalom, uh, it's more than just not fighting. It's more than just a lack of conflict. His Shalom peace means nothing broken, nothing lacking. Amen. And that's my God. That's my God. With God, there is nothing broken and there's nothing lacking. Amen. He is Jehovah Shalom. Do you know him that way? In Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 5, we're going to look at that one. And, and I'm going to butcher this name, but we're going to try it. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise the day to David a branch of righteousness. Anybody know his name? The branch of righteousness? Jesus. Amen. <laughs> he is a prophetic scripture referring to Jesus. A king, notice it's capitalized because it's Jesus. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days, in his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. And we have this name for God, Jehovah Sidkenu. Maybe. I tried. <laughs> and it means the Lord is our righteousness. The Lord is our righteousness. God has given us as a church this word righteousness. And it just keeps coming up over and over and over again. And that's how he does things sometimes is I want you to, I want you to dwell on righteousness. Understand that. Get all the good out. Like you do a piece of bubble gum. Just get all the good out of it. Amen. And so this business of righteousness will keep covering over and over again. But in the book of Isaiah... In Isaiah 64, 6, it says, all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Filthy rags. Now, your English Bible sometimes are lacking, and, and this is one of those, and, and please don't, don't misunderstand what I just said. This is the perfect word of God. But you, to really get the goodness of it, do a little word study. 
do a little in-depth study. This is not flawed in any way whatsoever, but our English language sometimes is. Did y'all catch that? I mean, please don't say that Brother Eric thinks that our Bibles are lacking. No, our language is lacking. And so in this passage of Scripture, when it says that in Isaiah 64, 6, that our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, that word literally means menstrual claws. Now it seems a little less glorious, doesn't it? In fact, menstrual claws were to be burned. They were, they, if you uh, were in contact with that, you were defiled and you could not go to worship our God. You could not be in the presence of God. This is what he's describing as your righteousness. The best you can do on your very best day is a defiled uh, uh, unrighteousness. That's as good as you can get. That's good. And this is what Jesus says that, that he was telling his, his disciples. Your righteousness has to be better than the Pharisees. Who the Pharisees tried to be so righteous, they would sift through their grain in order to get out any kind of a gnat or a bug or anything in order to not be defiled. And God says, no, your righteousness, the best you can do on your best day is as filthy rags. So, praise God that we have the Lord is our righteousness. Amen. That's what his name is in that he is our righteousness. Jehovah Sidkenu. And, and we've talked about this before. In your lostness, you are in sin. And even on your best day, you're, you're, you're lost. It's hopeless. You can do as much good works. You can do as much community service. You can do as many kind deeds. You're still lost. However, God has provided a way, and his name is Jesus. And in Christ Jesus, you are saved. Amen? And not only are you saved, it's not that you have now become tolerable to God. He says it this way in 2 Corinthians 5.21. He who knew no sin became sin for us, Jesus, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen? It's good stuff right here. This is shouting material right here. So what he's saying is that child of God, when you became a child of God, he took the sins off of you, having put them on Christ. But then he took the righteousness of Christ and put it on you. Amen. Amen. I, I grew up understanding that my sins were removed from me. And I was able to accept that and acknowledge that, and even though it's amazing, his amazing grace. But what I didn't understand that he put his righteousness on me. Now, does that mean that I'm perfect? Well, in his eyes, I am. However, I am not perfect. And some of y'all know that very well. But it is not perfect doing. It's being in perfect standing with him. It's not right doing. It's being in right standing with him. Amen? That's good stuff. Amen. So, because of that, I am going through a process in which my actions are becoming perfected. That's called sanctification. I'm becoming more like him. And that is this next word that I'm also going to butcher. And that is Jehovah Mkadesh. And I didn't say mm because I was thinking about it. That's how that word's pronounced. <laughs> Jehovah Mkadesh. And, uh, and so Exodus 31, 13. Exodus 31, 13. 
says, speak also to the children of Israel, saying, surely my Sabbaths you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies. I'm the Lord who sanctifies you. I preached on this recently, so I'm not going to re-preach it. But here's the, here's the, the scripture says, in the, in the way that you receive Christ, how did you receive Christ? By grace through faith. You trusted in the completed work of Jesus Christ. In the same way that you receive Christ, so walk in him. So what does that mean? I am sanctified in the same way that I was saved by putting my trust in Jesus Christ. For he is the Lord who sanctifies. Amen. You might remember it this way. I said that when you got saved, it was all on him. And many times we think the sanctifying process is all on us. But guess what? It's on him too. We just continue to run to the Lord our banner. And we continue to put our trust and our faith in him. And he sanctifies. So the Lord who is our sanctifier. Here's how it says it in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Wait, don't change that slide just yet. Is anyone in here uncomfortable at this time? <laughs> That's what you call a nervous laugh right there. That's what that was. <laughs> uh, change the slide. Next verse. And such were some of you. I'm going to tell it this way. We were all. We were all sinners. In fact, the scripture tells us in Romans chapter 3, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. He is the God who sanctifies, which is basically he cleanses us and sets us apart for his service. That's good news. That's why we call it the gospel. Amen. Jehovah Shammah, Ezekiel 48 and 35, the God who is always present. In that passage in Ezekiel, they were, uh, Ezekiel was receiving a vision of the, the third temple there in Jerusalem, and, and it gives it the name, the Lord is there. But that is the name, Jehovah Shammah. God is always present. Amen. That might bless you or burden you, I'm not sure which. But God is always present. Present. Psalm 23. How many of us know Psalm 23? I know you do. The Lord is my shepherd. That's the, the next name. Jehovah Rohi. The Lord is my shepherd. Being a shepherd, shepherds feed, shepherds lead, shepherds guard, and shepherds guide. And God does that for us. Amen. He is our protector, our provider. He is the nurturing God who takes care of us. That when we get in the middle of a pickle, he comes rescues us out of it. Amen. I'm thankful for that because I'm always in the middle of a pickle. But he is the Lord, our shepherd, Jehovah Rohi. And then Jesus comes along and says, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. My sheep know me and they hear my voice and they follow me. He leads and he feeds and he cares for us. And in Psalm 47, 2, his name Jehovah Elion. Jehovah Elion. For the Lord most high is awesome. Isn't he though? Amen. Don't you love the Psalms? 
The Psalms lead us in worship. For the Lord Most High is awesome. He is a great king over all the earth. Elion, the Lord Most High. Psalm 95 and 6. Uh, uh, Jehovah Hosinu. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Do you not know that you have been made by our good God and then saved by our good God and you're not your own? You were bought with a price. Amen. He's the Lord, our maker. He's worth worshiping. Amen. Amen. Ver, uh, Psalm 99, 5. Jehovah Elohinu, the Lord, our God. Exalt the Lord, our God and worship at his footstool. He is holy. Zechariah 14.5, Jehovah Elohei, the Lord my God. I love that. The previous one was the Lord our God. This is the Lord my God. It's personal. In the days of Uzziah, the king of Judah, thus the Lord my God will come and all the saints with you. I hope you know him personally. And then we're going to stop with this last one here. Jehovah Sabaoth, 1 Samuel 17.45. I know you know the story of David and Goliath. And Goliath is running his big old fat mouth and he's saying, uh, you know, who do you think you are? He's, he's trashing the nation of Israel. And David comes up to him and says, you going down, big boy. And here's how I know you're going down. We serve a big God. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, with a javelin, but I come, into you, come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, Jehovah Sabaoth. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. David says, I can't lose. I can't lose. I, all I got is a rock. And that's all I need because I have my good God behind me. He's the one who defends me. And here's, here's basically this word, Jehovah Sabaoth. He is the, the commander in chief of all of the heavenly angelic forces. That's a God that will fight for you. The, the, all of the angelic hosts, he commands, and he commands them on our behalf. We come to know God by experience. I've given you knowledge in that you, 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 got, you got these names, and you, you, you've heard of the nature, and you, you kind of hear the character of God, but that don't mean you know him. That doesn't mean that you know him as the God who provides. It doesn't mean that you know him as the God who heals. Obviously, there's some in the house that do. But the question is, do you, have you experienced him in those ways? So how do we do that? Well, when we come across his nature revealed in Scripture, then we then put our trust in him as that. Lord, I, 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 I'm, I, I'm needing a healer. My understanding through your truth is that you are the God who heals. I'm going to trust you for that healing. He says that I'm going to bless that because faith is always rewarded. Amen. And so however you need uh, to, to trust in God, when you do trust in God in that facet and then he comes through for you, you have now experienced God. Now you know him by experience, not just book learning, <laughs> but now you know him because you've experienced him. I pray that every one of us in the house has come to know him as the Lord, my Savior. And if you've not, then you're about to give, be given an opportunity to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. And we're going to remind ourselves where that comes from. Let's take communion together.
We're reminded through the act of communion, it's a faith action. This is, this is nothing sacred about these elements. But the action of trusting our God for our needs is sacred. And to come into his presence and to fellowship him and draw near to him, that's a special act. So, Lord God, we thank you that you are not some distant, cold being. But we come to know you in another way. And that is Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you, Jesus, that you came to us and you came for us. Thank you that you brought salvation to humanity. And now today, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord can be saved. Thank you. Thank you that you gave your body to be torn so that our sins might be paid for. Thank you that you took our punishment upon yourself. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And Lord, thank you that you went all the way. You went all the way. You didn't, you didn't quit before the finish, but you allowed them to take your life. You, in fact, you said you laid your life down in such a brutal, horrific way so that we might have salvation. Thank you, Lord. We love you too. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.